Hello, Monetization Nation. I'm Nathan Gwilym, your host. Today I'm joined by Jody Miller, who is an international speaker, TEDx speaker, and author of multiple books, including Drift to Shift and The Masogi Method. She contributes to numerous publications, including Entrepreneur, HuffPost, and Business Success Magazine. And she's the host of the top-ranked radio podcast, The Masogi Method. In today's episode, we're going to discuss what the Masogi Method is and how we can find our Masogi. We'll cover the following key takeaways. Number one, the idea of Masogi is to take a very big leap and make a goal that has a 50% or greater chance of failure. Number two, even if we don't fully achieve our Masogi, we'll still be much further along than if we had only taken small steps. Thank you so much for joining us on the show today, Jody. Thank you, Nathan. I'm really happy to be here. Tell us a little bit. Where, where do you currently publish your Masogi Method show? So I have it on every platform. Every podcast platform. Yes, every podcast platform. It's an audio only. And as you and I were chatting before, it's always so fun to have that pre-chat before the show. We were talking about video versus not video. And honestly, I've been on TV a lot. Um, I've been interviewed on TV. I've been on TV. I've had TV shows. I used to work for CBS many years ago, and I helped produce a hundred episode series for PBS. So I've been on TV a lot and I coach people on TV, but when it honestly, to just be very transparent, you know, you have to, for women, you know, like you have to go get your hair done and you have to (laughs) have the right background. Like right now I'm just in this interim COVID space and I don't have my normal studio background. So the audio is just so much easier. And I, sometimes my guests feel more comfortable because they can maybe look at notes when they're on audio. And when you're on video, you know, you can tell when people are looking at their notes, like I don't need to look at my notes because you and I are just having this conversation about a lot of really cool things. But sometimes people get nervous when they're on camera. So I find if you listen to my episodes, like I've interviewed Olympic athletes, the top surf photographer in the world, um, a PhD that reversed Alzheimer's, like on and on and on, um, like Brian Clark, who started copy blogger and sold it for hundreds of millions of dollars. And now is into all these other cool things. And, and it's just fun when you're on audio for me, because I feel like they're more comfortable, but I, I like video too. And I think the world's going to video. So I just give you so much credit for the video, because I really do need to do more video. I agree. There, there's a lot of places where where doing a podcast only is is great. There's so many uh, people that they just don't have time to sit down and watch a video, right? But you can multitask when you're listening to a podcast. You can do the dishes. You can exercise. You know, you can you can drive to work, and you just can't do that with a video. So, uh, I think there's a lot more use cases for a podcast. And and there's a lot of wisdom if you're going to pick one channel for, especially for a a professional audience or an entrepreneur audience, kind of, um, it makes a lot of sense to go podcast first. But on the other side, there's also, in in addition to the podcast, a lot of value in having a a video uh, option. And I think there's a lot of uh, connection that can happen in a video that can't happen in a podcast. They can see you and, and get to know you and see the facial expressions. And and I think there is a, how do you say it? There, there's a lot of people who think that their makeup has to be perfect and their hair has to be perfect and their background has to be perfect for them to do a podcast. And 
I think some of my favorite podcasters uh, don't do that. They, they're okay just filming with their house in the background and, and not having to have a professional background. And, and they're okay just being in a t-shirt or just finishing a run and, and getting on and doing a podcast and it not having to be perfect. And I think there's a beautiful authenticity that comes when people are willing to let, let us inside their home and let us inside their life. Like um, I, I look up to Russell Brunson a lot. I, th I think he's the best digital marketer of our generation. And, you know, I've been watching some videos that he did um, that were just filmed in his living room, no studio background, no, you know, just in a t-shirt. Um, and it's kind of cool to, to be there as part of his, his real life in his real home. Um, I don't know. I, I would challenge the thought that we, we have to have perfect hair and perfect makeup and a perfect background and perfect lighting. You gave a TED talk about stepping into the outer layer of our comfort zone. Can you tell me about this? What does it mean to step out of our comfort zone? You know, we've all read books. Well, maybe not all of us, but many of us have read all these books like Tiny Habits, right? Lit, you know, eat it one bite at a time, right? You know, a lot of us, okay, if you just do this tiny little thing, but the idea of a masogi is to go take a very big leap, a very, a very big reach that literally has a 50% or greater chance of failure. So the idea of this is that even if you don't fully achieve your masogi, you're still so much further along than if you just took these teeny, tiny, little, tiny steps. Now, I'm not saying there aren't steps along their way to prepare. There are. And there's actually a whole structure and methodology to doing this, which is in my book, The Masogi Method. But the whole idea is that it's a big reach. So after I gave this talk, this TEDx talk, here's an example. At the end of the talk, I had never told this story before until I was on stage. My son spoke in vowels. Um, one, I have three kids. One's a Harvard MBA. One's a college, top college athlete. And the other one is half his life behind. So the one half is life behind only spoken vowels. And at the end of my TEDx talk, I said, uh, I was in an IEP meeting, which is an individual educational plan for anyone who has challenged children. And they said, Jody, we want Christopher to speak with a computer. And I said, yeah, no, I don't think so. And so they all looked at me like the crazy mother, you know, your kid can't talk. So therefore, you know, he, he needs to do this. And I said, no, he's going to talk. So I left there going, what am I going to do? Like, I'm going to teach my kid to talk. Like he literally only could speak in vowels. And this is when he was like seven years old. So that's a Masogi. That's something that has such a huge chance of failure that even if I got him to say some sounds, that would be a huge success. And so it ended up that I worked with his speech therapist and I learned that Chris loved to sing. So I started to make up songs that worked with the sounds he was working on with this therapist. So if he was working on the ooh sound, because that's a real easy sound, it's at the front of your mouth for any speech therapists out there probably know this. Um, so I wanted him to learn the B sound. So I made up a Halloween song called Stirring the Brew. And I had motions and ooh, you know, that kind of thing. All of a sudden he had the B sound. So I did this for about a year and Christopher is now grown, can speak perfectly. He, sometimes you have to tell him to slow down 
but he speaks perfectly. And that was a Masogi that I achieved that even, like I say, even if I didn't fully achieve it, he, he can speak. That's a great story. Why is it so important for us to step to that outer layer of the comfort zone? That doesn't come naturally to lots of us. Why do we need to do it? Because we all have dreams. We all have things that we regret we never did. We all have things we know we have to do. So whether it's a desire or something we know we have to do that's deep in our heart, many of us already know what it is. If we don't do it, Nathan, we re we're going to end up with regrets in our lives. So the cool thing is, like I say, even if you, you only make it halfway, it's so much further than you ever would have done by never doing it at all or just taking those tiny, tiny little steps that doesn't get you as far as when you say, okay, I'm going for it. I'm going for this big reach. Look at entrepreneurs, look at Steve Jobs. I mean, he's a classic example, like no one believed in him. That's the other thing with the Masoga. You do not want to surround yourself with non-believers because then you'll get too discouraged because th these reaches are so big. Um, so you definitely want to surround yourself with support and just kind of leave those naysayers to the side for a while until you're well on your way. So you, you shared with us the example of your son um, and getting out of your comfort zone to do the Masogi with him. Can you share with us an example in, in the business or entrepreneurship world of where you or one of your, your customers has, has stepped out of the comfort zone and, and effectively done a Masogi method? You caught me off guard because there are so many, but I can think of that like this one that I did that was literally a 16 word talk. So I was at this event in New York City when I was working at CBS television. And it was at the Waldorf Astoria and in the ballroom. So there were about 250 people, kind of like all the big advertisers. And I was there with one of my guests. And in the middle of the room was the owner of CBS at the time, the president of CBS, and a member of the Federal Communications Commission, which is the governing board, the governing organization that decides how many media outlets a company can buy in any DMA, in any market. So how many TV stations, radio stations, et cetera. So these gentlemen were in the middle of the ballroom and there was a cameraman and a lighting man and a guy with a boom and no one else, everyone was around the, like the walls of the ballroom and no one would approach them. And I wasn't working at CBS at the time. So I had this overwhelming knowing, and this is part of when you know you've hit your Masogi, I have to do this thing. So I looked at my guests, I said, I'll be right back. And I was scared, I was shaking, I was shaking, 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 like, like my voice was shaking. I still feel the emotion. And he goes, where are you going? I go, I I'll be right back. So in my little pencil skirt and heels, <laughs> I just clipped my way across that ballroom. And I went right up to the owner of CBS, who was Lawrence Tish at the time. And I said, hello, Mr. Tish, I'm Jody Berry, which is my maiden name. I'm going to be working for you. And he just looked at me and he said, Jody, have you met Howard? And Howard's English. Oh, Jody, so lovely to meet you. Have you met James? And James Coelho was the commissioner. And for 10 minutes, 10 minutes, Nathan, the, the four of us stood there. I have no idea what we said, but I did it. And three weeks later, I was working for CBS. Wow, that's amazing. So that was a quick Misogi, but it's inspired action. It's like when you finally discover what it is, you know you have to do it. And like in my book, Drift to Shift, uh, Darren Quinn's one of my stories. Darren became a paraplegic in a ski car, a car accident on his way to ski. 
And it was very sad because he was going to be a professional golfer and he really was that good. And so Darren was like, you know, probably very, very upset, like anyone who would have that happen to them and very depressed. But he realized that he used to know how to paint when he was a young man. So he went back to his old teacher who was retiring and he said, would you take on one more student? And he goes, how are you going to paint? And, and so Darren could sort of move the shoulder and he could put it, the toothbrush, the um, paintbrush in his teeth. And so he found a way to kind of do the shoulder and the teeth and someone would move the paper. And he took lessons for a year or two from this amazing teacher. Darren, his paintings now are all over Las Vegas and restaurants and TV show sets. It's unbelievable. And then from that Masogi, he decided he was in Hawaii that he wanted to learn how to windsurf from uh, Maui to Molokai, a paraplegic windsurfing from, right? Really? So he became friends with a surfboard um, shaper. That sounds so scary. What if you fall off the board? Well, they built a special chair. They had boats on both sides. They had a helicopter overhead. They had all the safety precautions. But Darren did it, and they ended up making a movie out of it. So Darren's like, I can do anything. Darren calls me like once a week. <laughs> you know, he's like, Jody, come see me in Palm Springs because because of her his lung condition, he had to move to Palm Springs. But these people I, I write about in Drift to Shift have become lifelong friends of mine. Just inspire me so much. But like everyone I interviewed on the Masogi Method has done amazing things, amazing things with their lives. And I'm not just talking about the Olympic athletes. I'm and the guy that reversed Alzheimer's, you know, and founded the Buck Institute. Like I'm not talking about those, just those people. I'm talking about everyday people. Like one woman I just interviewed who teaches positive parenting when she was in an abuse shelter three times herself. And she has now uh, affected hundreds of thousands of people's lives on how to parent. And she was in a shelter, like she almost didn't make it. And she said, I'm going to change my life and I'm going to teach other parents how to do it the right way because I'm learning how to do it the right way. So there's, that's another Masogi. So for your viewers, they, they need to really just stop and think, what is it that they've always felt deep inside they either want or need to do? So after I gave my TEDx talk, they had a VIP event. And I had a line of people. I was almost embarrassed. I had like 25, 30 people in line to talk to me. And I was like, okay, <laughs> you know, and they all wanted to tell me about their Masogi. Jody, this is my Masogi. What do you think? And so that was really, really moving for me because I got people thinking about it. And I hope you think about it too, Nathan. I mean, maybe going to video was a big one for you. I don't know. <laughs> so. I, I love this. Okay. So monetization nation, I want you to stop right here for a second, whatever you're doing, just pull over to the side of the road or, or stop doing the dishes for a minute. And, and I want you to just think about this question. She just asked, will you Jody restate your question? Um, what is the, you know, like, like you just said. So what is that one thing that you know, deep inside that only, you know, that you either need or want to do? that you've probably known this for a long time and it's probably been weighing on you for a long time. And it could go back as far as your childhood. And that's also a little bit 
of the original exercise that I have people do in this course, you know, the, the talk you're meant to give. And when you find it, it's like, you are excited. You are, and you're scared and you're scared. Can I do this? I can't do this. How do I do this? And that's okay. Because then, you know, you're on the path to the right message. Yeah, I love it. That that indicator of, oh my goodness, this is too big. I don't know if I can do it. Like that is a really good indicator that you've, you may have found it. And, and I just had chills when you were saying that, right? What is that one thing that you need or were meant to do? And, and when you find it, even if it's big, like in my life, I found when I shoot for something big, it's sometimes easier to achieve than something smaller. Because when it's bigger, I'm willing to sacrifice more for it. When, it, when it's this Masogi that I was meant to do, I'm willing to put in the extra time and, and the additional resources. I'm willing to make those sacrifices. I, it's easier for me to inspire other people to be part of it because it's such a big vision. And, and often the outcome from it is so much larger because we've taken on something so large. Have you seen that, Jody? You are exactly right because that that's exactly right, Nathan. I'm just trying to brighten up my screen a little bit here. If you're not invested enough in it, then you're not going to do it. So it has to be big enough that you're willing to invest in it. If it's just a little thing like, okay, I'm going to, you know, work on page one of my novel. That's important. But how about I'm going to get this novel done in the next six months, a draft or in the next two months. I mean, November is novel writing month, right? So people, nano writing or whatever they call it. So people write a novel free form in a month. So you can do the impossible. And the whole cool thing about a Masogi, and I can just go on and on about examples, is that you've now achieved the possible in your life. And so you really do say, I can kind of do anything. So the confidence you gain, the it's amazing. It's just, it's amazing. And then it kind of becomes a life defining moment. I, I look back at the things I've done in my career of the last 25 years, and there's just a handful of things that are, are kind of those life defining uh, things that we did. And my guess is almost all of those would be Masogis. They would be the, the big things that, that we went after and, and achieved. And those are the memories, right? Those are, and sometimes just to put it in perspective, these big, big reaches could be something as simple as having to have a talk with the child that you, it could ruin your relationship, right? Or, or it's something, it scares the heck out of you. It could just take you to in this kind of direction. I mean, for some people that could be their Masogi. So it, it doesn't have to be, I'm, climb, I'm climbing Mount Everest, you know, or I'm reading, you know, a thousand books this year, but it does have to be something that's a very big reach for you. And it's an individual thing. And in this course, so, so the next stage of that is talking, giving that talk. It's, it's it, in a way, it's kind of like a Masogi because you're sharing that inner message that maybe you learned it after doing your Masogi. And that's like, for me, my biggest Masogi, well, I have so many, but you know, I went to the Amazon after I left my marriage after 26 years. Yeah. And I said, I, I have to do something really, really big. And so I went to the Amazon and lived with a tribe and did ayahuasca, which, you know, I don't do anything except a glass of wine or something, you know, and that really, really changed me. 
Thank you so much, Jody, for sharing your stories and insights with us today. To learn more about or connect with Jody, you can find her books on Amazon, listen to her podcast, and watch her TEDx talk. And you can find links to each of those sites in the blog post for this episode at monetizationnation.com. You can also get a free ebook about passion marketing and learn how to become a top priority of your ideal customers at passionmarketing.com. Thanks for joining me for this episode, and I wish you success in finding your Misogi. Do you want to become a better digital monetizer? To receive great monetization stories and secrets, please go to monetizationnation.com and join free. And if you liked today's episode, please subscribe to the show and share it.